Foster care adoption is not a financial question. It's a heart question. I say that because after you spend zero to $2,500 on the process, get the federal adoption tax credit, and the children you adopted receive free healthcare until age 18, this really isn't a money question. It's a decision you make with your heart. Are you willing to help a child or sibling group heal and thrive? Are you willing to adjust your life to be a child's forever family? But more deeply, are you willing to deal with your own past wounds and hurts to become an adoptive parent? Hi there, my name is Marcy Bursack and I am your personal foster care adoption mentor. I've been through this experience myself adopting a pair of siblings. My heart for the remaining 113,000 children who are still waiting to be adopted led me to use a stimulus payment to publish the Forgotten Adoption Option, a 70 page guide through this process, and then launch this podcast a month later. Then in 2022, I wrote a children's book called Are You a Forever Family? And I launched the Forgotten Adoption Option app, which spells out exactly what to expect if you plan to grow your family through foster care adoption. You can find all of these resources at ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. I am so delighted that you're tuning in and I wanna welcome you to be real, real about your heart, real about any questions that are running through your mind. In season three, monthly episodes will cover strategies for thriving as an adoptive family. You might also enjoy season one, where you can hear personal stories of adoptive parents and adopted children, and in season two episodes, where guests explain how to adopt U.S. children who are waiting for you in the foster care system. Whether you want to begin the adoption process right now or in the future, my heart is to help conquer the confusion and fears of the foster care adoption process so that fewer children continue to wait to be adopted. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. In this episode, you're going to learn how to stay committed to children in the foster care system, regardless of the outcome. I'm joined today, I'm so excited. A friend has come, she's an adoptive mom of two. Her name is Kara McCallahan. Hi, Kara. Hey, Marcy. This is so fun. We're recording in the winter. I think this is gonna drop in the spring. So people actually got to see us wearing sweaters, but yeah. you know, <laughs> sweaters can be like year round, you know, it works. But last summer, just weeks before our sons left for youth camp, we both were at this like parent informational meeting and it was incredible. I'd never met Kara before. Um, and after we realized our sons were in the same small group, we kind of stayed after swapping stories, which pointed out this really important part of our stories we have in common, which is that we both adopted biological si siblings through the foster care system. So Kara and I were like, oh my gosh, like this is yeah. incredible. This is meant to be. And so I... Um, knowing a little bit of her story, asked if she'd be comfortable coming on and talking a bit about it. I think Kara's story is so beautiful and selfless. And so I'm excited for our listeners to meet you, Kara, and to hear more about it. So we'll start off. Can you let them know a little more about you, how many children you have, and how long ago you finalized your adoption? Yeah, so we uh, we actually have three children. Uh, our oldest is biologically ours, and he is 12 and then we have a nine and a seven-year-old, and they are our foster adoptive babies. So they're younger ones, um, and they're actually brothers. So it's an incredible story um, that I can go into another time a little bit deeper. But we adopted them in 2019. So it's been an adventure for sure. This is so neat. So Kara did the approach where you have one bio and then adopt, right? You kind of did the birth order thing, which is cool. Yeah. So my, my son is friends with Kara's eldest, just in case people are like, who's the what? So that's yes. how that goes. Um, yes. So Kara, can you tell us, so rewinding your life quite a bit, what initially interested you or led you to get licensed through the foster care system? 
Yeah. So wild story. Like I honestly never even really realized foster care and adoption was something that I would be able to do. I don't know if that was just really like a poor self image or if I just assumed that the baggage that I carried from childhood or like just simple things like that would um, deter me from such an opportunity to be able to provide for, you know, for not only the community, but just for like other people. And uh, we were actually in church and um, I saw a panel of foster parents and adoptive parents and they were sharing their stories and their testimonies were life-changing for me. And I'm, I don't know how many other people were sitting there and they had that same life-changing moment, but I knew at that time that God put that on my heart. And it wasn't even like a month later that we had already like looked into figuring out how to get a license, like what that would look like, the steps that we would need to take. And, you know, we didn't have anybody that was helping us. We kind of just Googled it, figured it out, asked for a few resources within our church that we were attending at that time. And um, it just, I think that that's what led us there. Obviously, I think before that we were trying and, you know, to have what I believed, um, you know, I believed I was supposed to have a baby girl and that was just what I was going to do. And because I thought that was, I, that was something that I could control. And clearly I am not in control of any of that. So it was a very humbling experience for me to be able to experience that day in church. So did you believe this baby girl was supposed to be a biological baby girl or that like you're, you were adopting and that was kind of the image? So I thought I was going, I was like, I'm going to birth a baby girl. Like that was my goal in life. I don't know why that's just, you know, I was 20 something years old and that's what I assumed that I was in control of doing. And then whenever I actually did get um, our foster license, that was one of the things that I put on there, like a baby girl, like that's what I don't know. And it, like in our classes, and I know we'll dig a little deeper probably of that, but like when we were going through our, our classes for foster care, that was one of the things that they said, you know, like so many people will get into foster care and think like you're picking out something from a store, like their children and like, not just baby girls need homes. Babies don't just need home, like 12 year olds need homes, 16 year olds need homes, everything in between. And I think that that was also one of the, that was one of the biggest humbling things about this experience was ultimately, as you already know, like I ended up having two boys that I ended up adopting. So just learning that that it is, we're not in control and not to be so close-minded on what we think we want and to be receptive of what God's wanting to provide for us. That's so good. Yeah, you're right. Cause there's, I, I remember having to declare like the age range and number of children. And I think we said like five to 10 and two, and we got two kids, but they, we actually had to get our license modified before our kids could move in on a whim because mm-hmm. they were three and four. And we're like, we weren't looking for three and four. We were looking like, what is this? And so there are kind of two questions that come out of what you just shared. One is kind of around that, like being open, like having in your head one idea of who you think you're helping, but being open, maybe with some boundary, right? Because you can say no to things yeah. if it's out of your your wheelhouse or comfort zone. But can you kind of guide us through, like, let's say the Kara back then just needed a little mentoring to know that like, it's going to be okay. What would you tell the Kara or the other Karas that are listening that are thinking, well, I think I know exactly what I want. How do you help them get prepared to be open-minded about who that actually might be? So I don't know if this advice is going to be good for everyone, but I know it was good for me to learn. Um, Other than not being in control, like I thought when we got our license, we were going to get a call within like that next day, because I knew that the foster, like the, the, the fostering community, there were so many children that needed a home. And it was, kind of like strange for me that it took us several months to get our first call. 
And I think it was because we limited ourselves with the expectations of when we put on what we are willing to take into our home and like willing to love and, and all of the things that we were categorizing, we narrowed it so down to a baby girl that we weren't open enough to be receptive of whatever was needed. So when we opened up our, our branch of opportunity, I don't really know the exact terminology of that sheet that we filled out, but when we said what we were able to, to handle and we opened that up and with the guidance of our caseworker actually at the time or whoever was helping us at that point, um, they had said, you know, your room that you have right now, this extra space can fit two, two children. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we could probably do that. And so just hearing a little bit of the guidance and the, the seeds that were planted along the way, that really helped us to be a little more open-minded to the idea of allowing multiple children of any gender, as long as they were the same gender at that time, being in the same room. So that helped us. That is so good. Yeah. Just the listeners know too. So what Kara's talking about that last part is in the foster care system, one of the rules is you can have more than one child per bedroom, but they have to be the same gender. So Kara could have had for the size of the room, it sounds like two. So she could have two girls or two boys. So just so there's some clarification, you might have biological children and you might have a boy and a girl that are younger sharing a room. Cool. But in foster care, you can't do that. At least while they're in in kind of that space, just to clarify. So the other thing I'm thinking, Kara, is you shared, and and this is such a wonderful, sweet part of your story, but also a vulnerability, right? Is this part that you doubted or you kind of dismissed, whatever your word choice is, that this would even be something you would ever do. And I hear this a lot between couples where sometimes the wife is 100% on board. And if it's a heterosexual couple, usually it's it's the gentleman who's kind of like, and there's usually something behind that. There's some sort of doubt related to childhood or maybe an absent parent, mm-hmm. things like that. Would you mind sharing for you, like what, what kind of was there for you and how did you overcome it? I think there was a few things like number one. Yes. I think childhood, like for me, for me, it was self-image. Um, like I felt like I was not worthy enough to, to really care for a child that could potentially. And the point was to go back home. Like how much was I able to actually end impact this child to prepare them for whatever they're about to go home to and help them to grow, grow into in those scenarios. And on the other side, I also had, you know, people that were our support um, and that were, you know, kind of feeding unintentionally feeding doubt into our minds with like, are you like, what happens if, you know, if you get too attached, like those kinds of things. So I would naturally like put that kind of in the background. And I think society is the same way. Like we hear foster and adopt. And that's the first thing I think a lot of people think of is, well, I, I want to do that, but I'm afraid I get too attached or I want to do that. But, and then you fill in the blank with all the excuses. And what I, you know, what I realized at that time was I'm asking for an opportunity from God. What I thought was what I wanted or what I could put at that time, put on a dream sheet for God to just grant me like a genie. That's not how it works. But I opened that door and he provided a door for me to walk through. And I had to choose, am I going to walk through this door or am I going to, you know, turn my back and, and miss out on an opportunity that God's leading me in. That's so amazing. Cause you, you, you saw your, your choice, your opportunity, right. And it is hard. I think as a society, we hear, I hear that so much. Well, what if my heart gets ripped out? And it's like, well, you can go foster and maybe you'll adopt them, which sounds like what you did. Whereas like, I was like, well, I'm fostering kids that are on their path to adoption. So that yeah. risk of heart ripping out is, is the attachment's different, right? And it's, and it is hard because in your situation, we'll get to in a second is 
is it did kind of go many different directions at once. So yes. before we get there, let's set the stage a little bit. So how did you meet the two, the, the two boys, the siblings that you have since adopted? What was like the initial, how did you find each other? We actually, I had no idea. I don't know their family at all at the time. Um, and what was strange about that is I was one of those foster parents uh, that was like, I don't want to know the biological family. I don't want them to have my contact information. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, this was just the place that I was at at the time. And for whatever reason, I felt led to get connected, um, obviously, with the help of our caseworker and that that person mediating the, the conversations um, to their biological mom. And I think for us, and I'm not speaking that for everyone, because every scenario is different, but for us, that really helped our situation, not for you know, for me, but for our kids, because they had that, there wasn't division, you know, we, we, there was this sort sense of kind of like unity between our, our dynamics that we were kind of playing a role in. So to answer your question, I didn't know them. We met them through the foster system and then ultimately got connected to their mom. Social worker did, did some matching up and some people that are listening, cause I get this. So if this is you, I just want to acknowledge if you're listening going, okay, wait, so what's the backstory? Like what was the situation? Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, this is not the podcast that does that. Um, there are our kids' stories, and I know Shara and I share this together, that it's their story. Uh, and so we're really here to talk about the parenting journey in it. So if you're kind of wondering, you can go Google and learn why kids end up in situations like this. But we believe that we want to shed some light on how you as, a, as an adult can go and be helpful and loving in these scenarios. So you didn't miss anything. If you're like, wait, I missed what she said. You didn't miss it because we're not going to share it. And we love you enough to just be honest with you yeah. <laughs> about that listeners. That's a very intentional choice that we make. But Kara, can you, so knowing that you kind of met your two boys and then set up eventually contact with their bio mom, what was that adoption process like for you? Um, I mean, the, the fostering process itself had a lot of roller coasters. I mean, there were a lot of ups and downs. There was a lot of um, consistency, consistency, but inconsistency at the same time, because what you realize is that like, as foster parents, you don't have a lot of control or a lot of say in those cases. However, like the caseworkers that you're working with, that were working with us personally, um, they really helped make things easier because, and again, I won't go into all the details, but our youngest um, had three different therapists. And whenever he came to us, I was like, I don't know if I can handle all that. That's a lot to try to have resources that I have to find and figure out on my own. But they provided all of that. They provided all the resources. They provided the medical referrals, all of those things that we worry about or stress about within our own lives. It's, it was all taken care of. Um, and then, you know, to further answer that question, I just, I think that, I don't know, that that was pretty much the gist of it. There wasn't a whole lot of other things that we had to really juggle by ourselves. The adoption process itself was more of, that was pretty quick, pretty easy. And we didn't have to, again, do a whole lot of handy work into it. We just needed to show up and be supportive in the decisions that were making, being made. Because your boys were kind of in foster care and it was like you kind of saw on the writing on the wall, right, that you were open if adoption were the future, that you'd be open to that. But you also were raising them as if they might not. Right. So you were yeah, kind of doing yeah. things at once. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Which, which is a hard it's a hard mindset to be in that space. Uh, I think the data around that is about 50 percent of kids that go into foster care do go back to their biological family, but that does leave 50 percent. That do get adopted. So Kara's story, we're going to get there in a minute. It's kind of like that. But I do want to go back. If you are the listener, it's like, Marcy, seriously, I really wanted to know more because Kara even just said therapist, but didn't go into it. So go back to season one of this podcast. And I actually interviewed people that either 
were adopted or uh, aged out of the foster care system. They will tell you their stories. And maybe one day, and my kids actually got interviewed at one point, they've come on the podcast, they share what they want to share. So if you want to know a little more, dig, you know, dig information on that, go back to season one. You can hear straight from the people that it's their personal journey, what they want to say about that. So just uh, trying to help meet your needs, but also helping you respect our boundary. <laughs> so, okay, Kara, so here, here's like the crux of the story, like the, oh, wow. So Kara, your boys at one point in time went back to their biological family, but it was like, right as you were inches from your adoption hearing. So like, you're thinking, cool, we're like forever familying this. And then they're like ripped away. And I know that was, I can only imagine like, whoa. So can you walk us through how you held your heart and your mental health when all that happened? Cause that's like a whole lot of crazy, like just emotional and overwhelm all at once. Yeah, it was a lot. It was, um, I mean, I think whenever we became foster parents, we assumed we were going to adopt, uh, again, a lot of growing that we had to experience and a lot of humbling moments that needed to happen for us and for everyone else involved. Um, and so once we got to the point where, you know, like they were talking about adoption, we felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I, I think that the family member that kind of intervened with that whole process had good intentions. It was just unintentionally destructive um, because they wanted to do what was best for for our kids. They wanted to do not because they were afraid of what was going to happen with being adopted by us, but because there was still a biological family member that was involved and the potential of them being separated was there. And so that was made clear in everyone's and all the all the parties were aware of that. So I think that this person just tried to, you know, do what was best. And so it was hard because, you know, we had prepared to adopt them. And then when this happened, we had to completely shift our minds to understanding that, like, number one, it is all in God's timing and everything we, we were put in their lives for a purpose. If this is where our purpose ends, this is where it ends. But hopefully, you know, those relationships will still be there and we've built a solid foundation good enough for them to still be involved in our lives. You know, that did turn around fast forward a month later, you know, it didn't work out in that scenario. And then they did come back home, but or came back to us. Um, but through that, like we had to decide, is that really something we were going to open our door back up to? Because it was a lot of emotional things that we had to overcome and go through and experience and grieve and learn how to kind of get through that. Um, and not only that, not only, you know, us at the time, but also our 12 year old child. You know, we have a, a a child that wasn't going anywhere. He was a part of our adventure this whole time. And, you know, that did cause a lot for him too, but it was with his permission because we allowed him to help be that decision-making factor in our family um, with his permission that we decided as a family that we were going to open the door back up and, you know, they were going to be with us again. That is so beautiful. I love the word adventure. And I, I also love that you engage your older son, your oldest son. And, and I know some people are even thinking that well, I already have a biological child. How do I do this? And it sounds like you give him a voice and you probably knew age appropriately, like what yes. kind of was going on. And it's interesting as an outsider, because I think how beautiful that is that you recognize that they didn't like break up with you. They weren't mad at you. It's just the system kind of pulled them yes. one direction. And it wasn't that they, they even disliked you. It's just, it, it's just the system. And I, the, my husband and I, Nathan, um, we did not have your exact story, but there was a point where um, 
In our situation, biological parents were not married. And so the court system treats them as individuals. So it's like two different people. Um, and at one point in time, it was like a year later, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, one of the biological parents might do this. And your kids might need to actually move back across state. And by the way, we were like, I'm sorry, we will adjust our entire lives. Our kids are not leaving our home. Like, this is not okay. Like, yeah. We are happy to help facilitate that if that's where things led, but we were like, hi, we can drive a vehicle across state. We can talk to our employers. Like we will advocate on behalf of what the kids need for their stability, which it sounds like you guys got to, but just the emotional toll that yeah. takes, I think can be really scary for people. And we'll get to kind of that in a minute. Cause some people might've just been like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm going to turn this podcast right now. And I'm not <laughs> going to do this because these things happen and they're scary, right? Like they're really scary, but Eventually, so you just mentioned your boys get led back to you and you did decide to do that. Can you kind of dive a little bit into like, what was that decision-making like? Cause I'm thinking if I was a little wounded, if you will, by being kind of rejected or having it go the way yours went where they moved out, I think it would be really, really hard emotionally to be like, I'm going to allow myself to be part of all that again. So like how, where did you guys, what was that journey like in deciding? I don't know if I can really thoroughly explain all of that because it is truly something you unfortunately have to experience sometimes in these scenarios. Like that is what, that's what the process is for. Like that's what the system is for. Like we went, we didn't choose the the soul, like go into adoption and just, we knew we were going to adopt, you know, X, Y, Z and have it all planned out. That wasn't how our, our situation was. We went into foster care and we knew, and it was, told to us and planted in us many times, like the point of adoption is reunification. And so when, when it was working, Wait, at, sorry, it, the point of foster care, you said the point of adoption, the point of foster care, foster care. I apologize. Yes. Not foster <laughs> care was reunification. And once we really like, we saw that happening, that was exactly what was happening is they were being reunified with their family and we couldn't be angry about it. So like when it didn't work out, we just kind of were like, okay, like this is what we know we have to do because we opened that door and we knew our hearts weren't like settled with, with a decision that was made that we didn't have any control over. And whenever they were coming back to us, that was when our caseworkers and some attorneys were getting it more involved a, a little more heavily. Um, and just like making sure that the adoption process was about to happen. So I think that that was a little bit of light on us. Did we ever feel comfortable? Like, content or at peace while we were fostering absolutely not like there's nothing that's peaceful about it because you it's so unpredictable not just for the kids but yeah for your family too but that is what we knew we were going into and I think we had to experience that to truly understand what that meant with reunification because I think a lot of people will still choose they'll hear it like like we did we'll hear it, reunification reunification and then we'll still think that well you know, maybe we can still adopt. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but that isn't why we choose to help people. That isn't why we choose so that we can get something out of that. We choose to do that to simply be that impact in their lives. That's so real. And I, I appreciate the honesty in that, that it sounds like you had to kind of go through your own growth of how, how tight was your hand clenched, right? Like how open were you? Because I, I think this can be kind of a scary space for people, right? I, I don't think we're naturally like designed to be like, you know what? I can't wait to have unpredictability and I can't yeah. wait for someone just to call or some behavior to happen. So I think we've scared our listeners, which I think is good. Like it's a, it's, it's a really real dose of this is what you'd be signing up for. So 
care realizing that 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 I mean from the outside right it's it's unpredictable and that's just the truth of the matter but you still did this right and people still sign up for this day and day again and I'm curious what what would you tell people that are listening thinking okay I really thought I could but I don't have a stomach for that like I'm just not gonna do it I'm gonna I'm gonna do nothing or I'm gonna go a whole different route like what would you challenge them to think or what would you encourage them to do if they're kind of feeling uneasy you know, I want to say like, oh, that's how you feel. Maybe this isn't the right route for you, but I can't, I can't feel comfortable saying that because there are people in need. And I think that that's what, after all of these adventures that we've gone on, um, that is something that I've truly held on to. That's not something that I can let go. Like there are children in need. There are people that need you, whether, you know, you feel comfortable or not, like there, there's no comfortability in their lives you know, and they're just kids, we're adults. And, you know, fear, fear is the ultimate liar. So whatever we put in our minds, I could, you know, if I were to, to foster more children at this time in my life right now, like that is something that I, everything I experienced is something I would have to mentally prepare for, you know, and prepare my heart for that. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you get attached to a child that, and they go and they get, they are reunified with their mom or their dad or whoever, that that's going to be a, you know, a, a permanent struggle for you for the rest of your life. It isn't like you have a time to impact other people. And this could be that time for you. Um, and just knowing that, like, you know, even in that small time that you have with them, if that is the case or long-term forever, um, the impact that you have on them is forever. Like it isn't a temporary thing for them. It may be temporary for you for right now, but it's big, it's bigger for them. It's so interesting, the parallel of what you're saying of like, 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 I think of my siblings, I have three siblings, I didn't sign up to be their family. But yet, whatever life tolls our way, I experience with them, right. And I think it's the same in these scenarios, like you do get to choose if you want to go get licensed to take these paths. But ultimately, you're signing up to be family. And family yeah. can be temporary in these situations, it can be lifetime, it just kind of depends, like if you want to go Kara's route, where she did the straight fostering license uh, and she went for this grand adventure, which I love your framing on that. Cause I think that's such a healthy way to look at this. Like it's an adventure, it's an experience. And so Kara, I wonder um, now that you know what you know and you know, what you know, and that's okay. But do you think if the Kara from back then who was already having some doubts and the Kara from back then that had her head still stuck in the baby girl. Do you think if you know what you know now and, and that, you know, your kids can be who they are, they can still be yours. Right. But do you think you would have pursued them through the foster care path now that you know how much of a, like a, an adventure this has been? Uh, different parts of me want to say yes and no. Like, I don't know to be completely vulnerable. I don't know if that's necessarily, if I heard this story and I was in this, in the mindset that I was in, I don't know if this would have been the route that I would have went. Because it would have been too scary for me. It would have been too much for me. It would have been too much or fill in the blank. But it would have been very, for for me, um, very selfish on my end. Because, again, I asked God to provide an opportunity. And he opened that door. And if I wouldn't have walked through that door, I wouldn't be the care that I am now. I wouldn't look at things so much differently than I, than I do right now. Because I, I had to experience all of those things in order to have the children in my life that I have now. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, hopefully. it was different than what you thought. And it's interesting. I was, I'm a runner. And as I was running this past weekend, my, I have a watch that tells me like by a five second countdown when my start is, and yeah, I kind of get kind of like 
anxious, excited, yeah. but like, oh, am I going to be okay? Cause I have to go like a certain pace. And I have this analogy in my head of, wait a minute in life. I'm really glad I don't get any preparation sometimes because if I was yeah. told like a countdown of, okay, this really hard thing's going to come on Friday. I think I'd be worrying about it all week on a Monday. Right. Yeah. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's neat to hear your story unfold in that it was kind of good that you were blind. It was kind of good yeah. that you were just going down the path and you were open to wherever that path took you. So I'm hopeful that um, for the reality that this conversation has been, I hope that our listeners are like, yep, it's not, you know, sugar cookies and berries. Every it's not, it's family and it's messy and it's worth it. Right. It's so totally. Karen, do, you have, do you have any final words as we kind of close out the episode? No, I, I mean, I guess I just hope that I know I'm not going to impact everyone, but I hope that this was an impact for someone, one person. And thank you, Marcy, for having this platform and being able to spread awareness on adoption and fostering and just kind of what that looks like. Yeah, I, I am like you. You know, I went down this path and it was messy, but if we can help other people see that and feel like, oh, I can do that, right? It's worth it. It's it's worth it's worth helping one kid or one sibling group or whoever that is. So grateful that you were open to sharing your story. And I think it's great because it gives our listeners an opportunity to see how this could look in, in a different perspective. So thanks, Kara. As a listener of the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast, you are helping to raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 113,000 adoptable children in the United States. By leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, and talking about this podcast, you can help a child and sibling groups find their forever family. If you only have time to do one, sharing is the most impactful way to help a child who is waiting to be adopted. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling group through the foster care system, please visit my website, ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. There you will find how to get started using my new and free Forgotten Adoption Option app, and you can even order a copy of my book for adults, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which guides you through the entire process, and you can find my book for children of all ages, Are You Forever Family? You can pick from paperback, audio, and ebook formats, and you might even be able to find my books at your local library. Please keep me in mind as you're thinking of gift ideas and guest speakers. If you have any question about the process or you're wondering if you're even qualified to adopt, please reach out. Please send your friends and family my way too. You can easily find me by searching for Marcy Bursack on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I intentionally carve out time each week to encourage and teach people just like you. I really appreciate you tuning in, caring, and sharing because every child deserves to be in their forever family.